I can do that stuff, anybody can. And if you don't think you can, you're making up excuses and you don't have faith in yourself. And until you have faith in yourself, that's when you're going to start seeing some success. You're listening to the Expertish Podcast. Be sure to head over to iTunes or Spotify and tell Jay what you thought about this episode. Expertish is where you can learn how to invest from those who have, those who are, and have some fun along the way. Are you ready to start? Okay, welcome to this episode of Expertish Podcast. Today we're going to be talking with Tim Kelly, veteran founder of ADPI, right? Active Duty Passive Income educator, uh, author. So if you give us a a little bit about your background there, Tim, if that's cool with you. No, absolutely, man. Thank you so much, Jay, for the honor. Tim Kelly, right now I'm situated in in Pensacola, Florida, because I was in the Navy for 15 years and my last duty station was here at NAS Pensacola. Uh, I came here to be a water survival instructor. I was a rescue swimmer uh, in the Navy. That was one of my jobs. And then I ended up teaching the pilot students here that come through Pensacola, which is Navy, uh, Marine Corps, Army, all the different countries. And they sent like Italy, Germany, Saudi Arabia, they all send their flight students through Pensacola. And so I got to coach and teach and instruct the pilot students about engine systems, life, leadership, ethics. But I just got out as a chief petty officer. I made chief pretty quick, about nine years in from E1 to E7. And then I wasn't getting enough from from the military. So I was about ten year, nine or 10 years in. I just went on a deployment in 2014 and read a bunch of books on personal finance because I was always interested in learning how to build wealth. And I just kept seeing this kind of repeated mention of real estate investing. And so I just got super curious and off got off that deployment in 2015. And I just dove deep into ed- and educated myself in all things real estate related. And, and I kind of quickly gravitated to the multifamily and apartment building, mobile home communities, you know, commercial assets, also like storage facilities. I got super interested in that whole niche and that whole genre. And that's all I focused on. But I've also been taking advantage of the VA loan and the house hacking opportunities locally where I live and in Pensacola. So I have a fourplex here and a triplex here. I just bought a, a single family short-term rental dwelling that I'm in right now. It's right on the beach here in, in Perdido Key, if anybody's familiar. And we're living here for about a year, then we're going to rent it out. But all while I was kind of investing and building about a thousand doors of, of apartments and mobile home parks, also co-owner now of Active Duty Passive Income. I was one of the first members uh, to join. I was on the Bigger Pockets podcast a couple of years ago and I gave out my cell phone number. And one of the co-founders of Active Duty Passive Income heard me. He immediately called me and because I said, hey, I'm a chief in the Navy buying apartments and I love educating people. And he's like, wait a minute. <laughs> so he called me, he was an army vet. And uh, now fast forward and kind of, I'm just enjoying a life of financial freedom. I walk right out of the Navy at 15 years. Uh, there are a lot of struggles along the way, lessons learned, but I get to teach military members, everything that I've learned over the last, you know, six, seven years since I've been investing in real estate. And, you know, a lot of people are, are in for 20 years or 24 years, and now they're looking into real estate. They have time to create an empire, to create a cash flow machine. So when they walk out, they don't have to get that W2 job that they think everybody has to get, right? So I'm excited to share with what I learned and just help open people's eyes up and not only just give them the realization, but walk them through the process so they could do it like, you know, start investing in their first 12 months. And uh, that's the goal, man. And we love it. It's passionate. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. It's uh, funny, a lot of parallel stuff there because I started yeah. out, Pensacola was my first first training uh, spot. I was a uh, search and rescue officer, so aviation. And so been there several yeah, times for training. I went and... to SAR school in Jacksonville because I was actually a, a surface, surface rescue swimmer. Yeah. Because I was an AD was my rate. I was an uh-huh. aviation machinist mate. So that's why I taught engines to the pilots. But my fun job that I always enjoyed more was the search and rescue stuff. And I was always on ships, deploying off ships. But right. all my buddies now here are, are, were, are prior or current air crew guys. I don't know if you know right. Steve Bauer or Roger Richards or... Yeah, I mean, I yeah very, well. <laughs> very well. Are you serious? Yeah. I'm in a band yeah, yeah, with yeah. Steve Ballard, bro. He's my are guitarist. You, yeah. Steve is... Yeah. just He just retired, what, a year ago? I was the MC for his retirement. Yeah. That's, that's kind of crazy. Yeah. Dude, well, I, he was just <laughs> over at my house yesterday. Yeah, dude. He, yeah, he's an awesome guy. We never worked directly together. We just knew each other through that community because he was a lot of time East Coast. I'm going to his house Coast. this afternoon for band practice. <laughs> Tell him I said, what's up? I'll have to text him after <laughs> that. That is so badass. Yeah. And then Roger, that dude's oh, man, awesome. Small world, dude. And Roger Raylan. Richards, man. I went, yeah, I went to all kinds of camp planning. We did all kinds of activities. Uh, dude, anyway, that's that's another conversation. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry to interrupt sure. the podcast. <laughs> no, nah, man, it's all good. <laughs> it's all good. No, I think that's, uh, that's pretty amazing. And I think... Uh, 
a lot of that comes to what you're using your time for too, when you're deploying. And I think that's something some people don't realize when they are deploying and things like that. Yeah. It's, it can either be just be a time waste. Like you, you come back where you were, or you can get a lot done, you know, whether it's research school, stuff like that. And I think I just didn't want to miss the opportunity to point that out when you mentioned it, that you can do a lot of stuff with kind of that in between time that otherwise would be dead. It's up to I you mean, to especially I had to take advantage. I didn't have any kids. I mean, my wife, she was holding things down when I was deployed, but I always had a dream like of being big, being free, having abundance, having choices. And it's not all about the money, dude. It's about the time and the freedom that you get when you have a lot of streams of income. Right. And when you have a lot of streams of income, you have more choices, more abundance. You could deliver more value to more people and you could help more people. And that's what I wanted to live a life of. And everybody around me and, and when I was in the Navy, like I, I was not able to talk this language with anybody. And like I wasn't able to speak this language. So um, we created a platform full of military members that do speak the language. Yeah. And it's pretty, dude, it's awesome. It's fun. I just got off a couple calls with them and it's fun to watch them take down multi-million dollar deals and build massive wealth for their families, dude. And, and once the light bulb comes on and people realize what they can do, it's a whole different ball game in it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Dude, so many people think that you need like millions of dollars and you need tons of experience and you need to have a lot of time in order to be an owner in a large multifamily deal or like a big apartment complex, even a even a single family home or like a little six or four unit. You don't. You need a little bit of knowledge that's anybody can learn. And then you just need to understand how to structure deals and put deals together. Once you know that, you're like, all right, well, I could do this, this, and this. I'm gonna go share that with people, create a partnership and go do it. Like That's it. That's really the steps that it takes. And so we're like sharing that with so many people, over a hundred people in our mastermind, specifically targeting these large deals and partnering together. And it's freaking awesome, dude. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, yeah, congrats to you, man, for for having the foresight to get into that and start doing it. I think it's amazing. I think that also it changes your time, even while you're in. Like I know, you know, you got out at the right point for you, and I think that's important for everyone. But I think it's awesome for people to, if you have that income coming from things other than your military paycheck. I, I know I enjoyed my time a lot more because I didn't have to be there. If that makes sense. You know, if I, if I would have been feeling like I was stuck, I think that would have just been a totally different. I wasn't getting fulfillment out of the Navy. And I know most of the people I was hanging out with were not happy either. I just decided to do something about it. And, uh, I like hanging out with people that also decide to do something about it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, tell us a little bit about if you could talk a little bit about that mindset, because I think that that becomes one of the bigger hurdles that I see with people is, uh, you know, the looking at the negative possible possible outcome as, as opposed to trying to find solutions for the positive side. You know, what if this happens? What if this happens? But always being on the negative side, it keeps them from getting off that fence. Dude. So I learned this whole mindset thing kind of a while back because even before I started getting into real estate during military trainings and OJT, like anytime we had like a leadership curriculum, I was always really intrigued by any kind of personal and professional development. It's just like, it's information that, Hey, if you read this, you're going to be a better person. That's, that's how I saw it. So I'm like, I'm kind of like, this is a pretty cool idea. Let me learn how to have more energy. Let me learn how to lose weight. Let me learn how to be happier. Let me learn how to manage my time. Let me learn how to improve relationships and my wife and, you know, and give more. Let me learn how to, you know, improve my finances. So I just got addicted to personal professional development, you know, while I was in the Navy and and while I learned and got the real estate bug, I learned that as I was learning the how-to of, of real estate and multifamily, I was already on like a kind of momentum going up of just growing as a human, as an individual and being a student, right? Of right. just personal professional development. And so, so much mindset has to go back to your faith, right? Right. How much faith do you have in yourself to achieve the goals that you really want? Most people don't think big enough. Most people Mm -hmm. don't have goals that are like so big that it scares them. It kind of freaks them out, but they'll still go after it. Most people don't even set goals. Let's just say for the people that do set goals, a lot of them set large goals, but they don't have the faith that they could actually take it down. Mm -hmm. So then they don't have the confidence to start making steps to take action, right? It all comes down to faith. This episode is brought to you by Voris, a strategic sales advisor for early stage startups. 
At Forest, we'll add a startup sales expert to your team without the cost and commitment of hiring full-time. We offer sales and SDR advisory for teams serious about exceeding their goals as well as strategy and process recommendations to help accelerate growth. Let us tell you exactly what to focus on to dramatically improve your results. We help early-stage startups hit their revenue goals, and you are only one click away from more revenue. Forrest.com. The cool thing is about the mindset, you could achieve a success mindset. And the only reason why I think I have always been growing and growing my mindset and my abundance mindset, just my my analytical, emotional intelligence. I'm not a smart guy in, in terms of IQ, but I've just learned and learned it because you could morph your mindset and you could transition and literally change your mindset to be a completely different, way more successful and happier person. Yeah. You could actually train it. And all you got to do is learn, well, what are the most successful people do? And as my, on my quest of personal professional development, like I just got obsessed with it. I started learning and studying the most successful people, regardless of industry. What do they do different, right? Yeah. It's their morning routine. It's how they work out most days of the week and they, how in, the importance of exercise and nutrition, because that's your physiology and how you feel and your energy. They also are experts at like time management because yeah. they value other people's time and they value their own time more than the freaking masses, right? So it's all about your habits and anybody could morph and change their mindset. Let's say if they have a scarcity mindset, they've been around negativity, you could take baby steps to change that through learning how and how the learning about how the most successful people around spend their time, right. you know, manage their time, invest their money, all, all those things. So it's it's really learnable, but uh, but it has to, it all starts with faith. Like, do you believe deep down in yourself that you could achieve these goals that you set out to to achieve and and whether you do or not, that'll dictate whether you can change your mindset. Yeah, I agree. That's awesome. Uh, definitely, the, definitely the single most important thing. Uh, and then with that, that the time management, um, God, man, that's just something I think that people, especially that's one thing I think in the military, people never really get a super great grasp on because it just doesn't matter as much. There's so much time wasted. And when your time is your pay, your time is your family, your time is, you know, the things you want to do. I think you, just have such a, a different res, uh, perspective on it. Dude, it's such a good point. When, you, when you're surrounded by people, mostly in the military, especially on your deployment and like deployments actually a little better because everybody's in a groove. And I always enjoyed deployments because it's like, yeah. it's like so easy. The freaking spouse is back home holding everything down. It's way harder for them. Right. Mm -hmm. But like most people that were around are not present in their military jobs to do the absolute best that they can give 110%. They are there literally to waste time and do as little as they possibly can in the most amount of time because they're getting essentially paid yeah. like just for their time, right? Yeah. They're, they're yep. getting a salary. If they don't work, they don't get paid. So like when you're surrounded by those people, there's no urgency. And so people don't like strive to be more efficient with their time to produce more because the, those that choose to produce more are like the 20% that get the yeah. EPs, yeah. right? They're the 20% that get the EP evals that do 80% of the work. The rest of the 80% of the people do 20% of the work and they get the MPs and the Ps right. and SPs and shit. I, that's the first thing that came to mind when you mentioned that, dude. It's, it, that's probably why. But the ones who choose to be efficient with their time and actually say, hey, I think this use of technology could save us this many dollars and this much mm -hmm. time. Let's try it. And then actually you know, execute on it and collect some data on it to see how much it actually saved your time. Those are the people that are going to be way more successful because they're willing to do that. And, and they're going to get recognized if you're in that group of people that do that. Right. Right. And it doesn't really take that much, does it? I mean, it's, it's really not that much. I always felt like, um, and again, I loved my time, you know, it, it was great. And, uh, you know, guys we were talking about earlier, they would probably all say the same, same thing, recognition of, to me, I felt like the military in general really kind of breeds mediocrity a lot because they don't want you to get in trouble and they want you to get your job done, but they really also don't want, like, you know, we're talking top 20%, the top one or 2%, they kind of don't want that too, because that's forcing someone else to work harder. If you're really trying to make changes, there's somewhere else there that has to work harder than two who maybe they've already checked a box that they need for that next promotion and stuff. And they're like, that's good enough, you know? So yeah, some of those things point. I think just brings people, I, I don't know, makes people feel like there's a ceiling on really what they can do. 
but um, yeah, mindset obviously is the, you know, a huge one there. Time management's huge. Uh, I definitely, that's something I struggle with. I would say a lot, not, you know, it's pretty good, but then that's the thing that if anything falls off first, it's that, you know, where I start letting things creep into my calendar thing, you know, stuff like that. So I have to focus on that quite a bit. I, for some reason, a lot of people come to me for, for this because I just, I, I shared the time blocking strategy because mm-hmm. it worked for me. Like I learned about it years and years ago. I think I read the one thing and listened to a bunch of cool podcasts about it. Right. And I started time blocking and like yeah. the minute I started time blocking, everything just made so much sense because if it's in my calendar, it will get done. Yeah. If it's not in my calendar, it won't get done. I might as well put it in my calendar because not only will it get done, but it's going to remind me. It's going to set, I can set a <laughs> reminder. It's like, it's going to remind me 15 minutes prior and on the hour. And it's going to give all some notes and it's going to tell me what I need to do. It's my administrative assistant without actually hiring one. That's it. Like, right. And so I just got religious with it. And I realized you control your time. Mm-hmm easier than almost anything else. If you see it on your calendar and and you put stuff in there, but if it's in there, you better execute on it because, and if it's not, you better do it the next day or within the next 24 hours. Cause if not, it'll get, it won't get done. Um, yeah. So like, there's a lot of hacks that I've learned around time blocking and before the nine to five is when you should be personal professional development with most, most people don't wake up early enough to have time to themselves before they have to go into the chaos of daily life because nine to five, if it's a W2, it's tied up. If it's a business, yeah. you need to be knocking on doors and calling people and communicating with people. Mm-hmm. So after the nine to five, that's your personal professional development or your entertainment or your family time, right? Mm-hmm. Before the nine to five, it's grow, read the Bible, you know, meditate, work out. It's your own development time. And these are the things that have helped me so much. And I think they're so simple to understand and just implement, right. but right. So many people are like, man, I'm so disorganized. And they have to like hire like two virtual assistants just to help <laughs> control their day. And maybe I'm just lucky. I have this natural tendency to be organized too. Um, kind of ADHD weird level, but I don't know. I don't think it's a, any kind of psychosis or psychiatric. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> Actually a blessing probably. Yeah, dude. What else is up, man? What else do you want to talk about? Well, you know, we were... Uh, chatting before we started. And just strangely enough, you brought up the mobile home park investing and more so than I have in, you know, the last four years, probably in the last four weeks or so, I've heard more multiple people asking about mobile home parks and starting to invest. I don't know if it's because of prices out here, you know, where they are, but that's come up so many times. And it's something I honestly know the least about. So if you could talk about that a little bit, it'd be awesome. Let me answer your biggest questions right now about it. I think that'll help you understand it more and then help decide whether it's going to make sense for you as an investment. So Mike is on you. Yeah, too. I mean, there's two things that I've been getting questions on. One is just individual, which to me, again, I I know nothing about so much, just the individual uh, investment of like a mobile home. But the thing that uh, usually I just have to point out right away to someone is like, hey, is it on leased land? Is it an own land? You know, what's the situation? Because people overlook that. And this is something that I think the people, like someone I haven't met yet or whatever will reach out like, hey, I sell this, you know, they're selling this, you know, X square foot mobile home for, you know, 110,000. I think that would be, you know, it fits my people looking to fit their budget of what they want to spend on an investment. And then you're like, but that plot of land costs $1,200 a month to park it. And it's like, oh shit, that's totally different. You know? So, so that one's an easy one because nine times out of 10, it's just really not the best situation. I haven't had to get into depth with that. But then that brought to my, you know, I guess to the forefront of what I didn't know about it as in what about larger scale investing in the mobile? And I just have nothing about it. What about acquiring the land for it or what type of permits do you need for like a mobile home park, you know, kind of that whole infrastructure of it and how to get into that. Dude, such good questions. And I'm going to give you as much value as I possibly can. Just cut me off whenever you want. Cause there was some really good questions and I, I had some trouble getting over these ideas and these thoughts initially too. So look, if you rent a lot, I would never call an investment to rent a lot and then buy a mobile home, just one single mobile home and live in it. Right. right. Unless you could buy it. Right. And then, so the price of the lot plus your mortgage payment, unless you can get like twice as much for rent, it wouldn't be called an investment. Mm-hmm. Mobile homes are almost worst, quote unquote, investments, would never call an investment, worse liability than even a car. Okay. 
those homes go down in value. They don't go up in value. They depreciate right. every single month. Okay. So never would I ever buy a mobile home as an investment unless I own the land and I could rent out that mobile home for significantly more than my total financial obligation every month. Right. Gotcha. Mobile home park investing to me, we purchase the entire community of one to two to 300 pads. Mm -hmm. So we would about do one deal. Like let's say, I'll just give you, you know, a couple of years ago, we bought 71, 71 pads in South Indianapolis. And we're actually about to exit out of it this year. We're going to sell it. The biggest question usually when you look at 70, 80, 90, 100, 300 unit parks, what is the ratio of tenant owned homes and park owned homes? Okay. Mm -hmm. And here's why. Okay. Because when we buy that, the value in mobile home park investing is in the land and the infrastructure. It's not in the actual dwellings. Why? Because I just told you there are liabilities that go down in value every single month. Never park your cash in a car or a mobile home that goes down in value. Park your cash in an asset that appreciates every single month, that goes up in value, that you could borrow other people's money to go buy. Right. That's just a caveat. Yep. So anyway, yep. <laughs> um, <laughs> just le like, again, lessons learned for me, like I'm just sharing it with you. So we look at the large mobile home communities and let's say it's 50, 50 split well, out of 100 pads, 50 of those pads are park owned homes. Mm -hmm. Let's just say on average, some of them are 30 years old, like pieces of crap. Some of them are new within the last couple of years. Nice vinyl siding, pitched roof with shingles, like made built after 2005 or, you know, seven you know, high quality safety for hurricanes and stuff like that. Hurricane zone, like uh, everything's good. You know, those, right. The, the high tier ones, you can get thousand, 1200, maybe 1500 a month, right. On that pad. So it's great income every month, but that unit depreciates in value. So we like the tenant owned homes. We own the land, the tenant owns their home. So they have the payment. They take all the liability in terms of maintenance, insurance, taxes, repairs. That's all on them. But they're paying us every single month to park their little raggedy shack on my land. Right. right. So there's pros and cons of both. Right. When banks are looking at you and looking at your deal, when you're like, hey, I need a big bag of money, three million bucks to buy this. And, you know, we're putting in a million of our own cash. I want to borrow three million bucks. They're going to say, let me see your financial data over the last 12 to 36 months. And let me see if we want to add this asset to our portfolio. This is what the bank is saying, right? Right. That's when they're going to look at how many are park owned home, park owned and how many are tenant owned. The park owned homes, they don't give a dime of value to those homes unless literally, unless they're like brand new. Yeah. The thing that matters is the lot rent. What is your monthly lot rent that you're collecting on each pad? Because that is what's capitalizable in a, from a tax standpoint. That's what your accountant, your CPA for taxes, when you go to sell it, that's what matters most and what contributes to the net operating income, which is the magic number that will dictate the value of your property. I don't want to go too fast, but right. I'm trying to like fast forward and give you all that. Yeah. But park owned homes, again, if you own a unit and it's nice, dude, collect as much revenue as you possibly can, low fees and re uh, repairs and maintenance, maybe a better tenant that will just take better care of it. But if it's like a rundown shack, the first thing you're either getting rid of it and putting it in a nice new one, or you're selling it back to that resident on like a mortgage. Like you're their bank, you are their lender. They're paying you every single month for that. And they're taking the burden of the repairs, maintenance taxes. Does that make sense? Why, yeah. you know, at scale, two, three, 400 pads makes a lot of sense. Right. Yeah, for sure. I like that. The other thing I know we mentioned, so planning and zoning, I mean, permitting, don't worry about permits unless you're a general contractor or unless you're managing a general contractor. Planning and zoning, before you even look at a deal, you should absolutely, absolutely go speak to city hall, introduce yourself to planning and zoning. Shit, the mayor, if you could make it, the city inspector, planning and zoning and economic development. Talk to those people at city hall and obviously let them know what you're doing when you're looking at these, because they are the people who will help you make it nice. And you're going to need a relationship with them in order to successfully smoothly improve the property, 
improve the demographic because they're going to be the ones to inspect every unit that comes in and goes out. They're going to be the like, you have to have relationships with, I'm talking about the mayor, the city inspector, economic development, planning and zoning. That's what, that's what matters. Having them, having them meet you, know that you're, you have good intentions for their, a, a, a park in their city and a community in their city. And you want to work together and partner on making it great and kicking out the riffraff and bringing in the best. Right. Yeah. So like create that partnership up front. Right. That puts you in a way better situation because let's say something really bad happens down the line in two years, you as the owner, they're going to remember that you showed face, you get like, we give them our book, our best-selling book, military house hacking. Like we give them a coin and shit. Like we make it a big deal. Yeah. Right. And then two years later, if something goes down where we need their help or they need us, like there's already that bond that all that, that create that, that relationship has been established. It's not like, well, who are these clowns that now they're in all this legal trouble in our community? You know what I'm saying? Right. Well, I think that goes for any, anything, right. Any business endeavor, any, even personal endeavors and stuff, that relationship and that, that network makes a huge difference. hundred percent. Yeah, no, I, I like that. That's some awesome information. It's all inside of the course that we put together, dude, for military members to learn how to take down a park in mobile home parks. What, how about, uh, so we don't forget here at the end, uh, can you tell us how to get to that? I know there's a lot of veteran and active duty. So thank you all for your service. Like I said, I just got out and, uh, Jay, Jay obviously was active duty. He's, he's crewman. And, and so active duty, passive income.com. If you simply just go to that website, it's like a landing page for everything. There's going to be a pop-up that allows you to download our best-selling book for free, or you can go buy it on Amazon. It's called military house hacking. These are like foundational things that you should probably know. If you're into real estate, if you're listening to this podcast, you want to create some wealth and freedom and abundance, learn how to leverage your VA loan to buy four units, wrap the cost of rehab in it, live for free cash flow on top of that. And nothing comes out of your pocket through the whole process. Yeah. I think it's the best deal there is out there. And honestly, I did it. I did it twice. Both of those stories are in the book. Yeah. I actually have a little copy right there. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, it's, it's, it's such an awesome thing. And you know, I, I bought my first 22, 22 years old, brand new, maybe didn't know shit. And that's another thing that, uh, you know, people freak out right now because rates have been so low when you hear something about, Oh, the rates are going to creep up. My first house was like a 10 and a half percent, I believe. And what year was that? God, 95 ish. And at that time you thought it was a good rate because before that it was like 15%. Well, I didn't know. I just didn't know anything. I just knew I'm going to buy. Yeah. And then, uh, and I still, you know, and my answer to that would, it would always be when people say it now, it's like, I I made money. That's all. That was my learning curve. Like I had a really bad experience buying whatever got that first house though, because I thought I was supposed to. And then a couple of years later, I'm like, wait, I'm making money. And at 10 and a half percent, you know, I didn't use, I didn't know I had a VA loan, didn't know what it was. <laughs> yeah, right. And it just works. But now like our real estate team does, you know, all resident, every, you know, everything residential and stuff. But for me, I've been mostly focusing because I believe in it and I love it is the same thing using the VA home for a two, three, four unit, you know, helping people get in and if they need cash to, to re, you know, refurbish any of that stuff, but it's just crazy. Even out here with crazy prices, people get sticker shock, but you can make so much, you know, rental every, income dude, I know what right everybody's away. Thinking, everyone's thinking, well, I'm active duty or I have a family <laughs> or I don't have time. That's an excuse. And that's bullshit. Like it part of my French, nope. if I, if I could, I mean, granted, I don't have any kids. So for those of the family, I don't, I don't know what it's like, but I know a lot of my partners, are mm-hmm. active duty, have a family, multiple kids. They're creating, they're not only helping me create active duty passive income in this education, our Facebook group, our mortgage company, our insurance brokerage, like all of our masterminds, all that stuff, but they're also investing on their side and building, building wealth. Right. Mm-hmm. And if I could, as an active duty chief, you know, already set on apartment buildings, starting to like learn about apartment buildings then not only did I do that, I managed self-managed the 203k loan, like rehab process on a fourplex, got all the tenants in there, vetted them all, put software in place, managed it for a year. And then once I'm like, I don't like managing anymore, but now I understand the business. I hired the best one in the, in, in the area to manage it for me. Since then it's been amazing. But if I could literally learn about apartment buildings while I was an active duty chief and put four, four random people that I never knew, like into my apartment and vet them and stay compliant with all the local laws and, you know, have software and have a whole process for everything. If I could do that stuff 
anybody can. And if you if you don't think you can, you're making up excuses and you don't have faith in yourself. And until you have faith in yourself, that's when you're going to start seeing some success. Yeah. And you have to need you need to hang out with other people who have faith in themselves and who are taking action on that faith and who are not being selfish, but they're building wealth for the legacy and their their generations behind them. Yeah. Um, I think we all have a duty to do that. And most people don't think they can. And that's selfish. It's true. A lot of people do not think they can. And at certain points in my life, I think I was the same way, you know? Uh, oh, me too, dude. Oh, you know? 100%. Yeah. And, but it's then when you kind of break out of that and you recognize it's just such a, such a different world. And I know uh, that when you're talking about, you know, starting all that while you're, when, when you're active duty, one of the, it's almost become a joke with, uh, you know, a couple of people on our my team now, like the residential team that uh, whenever I get pissed off now, it's something like a service not going well or whatever. It's like, fuck it. We're starting a company. We're taking that out. So that's the new thing is like every other <laughs> month we start a company. Good X. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Well, this sucks. We can do it better. So now it's kind of, I, I think maybe I've gone into the uh, business starting business or something. Yeah, I, I love it, man. But that's whatever. Hey. there's nothing that motivates you more like seeing an inadequacy where you're like, but then there's people that will complain like, oh, this sucks. And then there's to me, I've learned like, well, shit, I don't want to be the person who complains. I'll let's complain and fix it. Or let's just do it. You're, you're, I mean, you're a man of action and, and you're like, well, if this is not how I like it, I'm going to change it or, or go or create it on my own, you know, or I'm going to yeah. find a solution. I'm not just going to sit here and complain and not do jack shit about it. Right. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's a mindset thing, dude, it really is. That's that separates the most successful people, something like that. The mindset, mm -hmm. you know, the mindset thought, you know, 998, you know, if it's don't complain, if you can't do something about it, then don't complain. If you could do something about it, do something about it. Yeah. Don't complain. Yeah. And also don't worry about stuff you can't, right? Like if you're all worried, such and such isn't, isn't doing something right. If you're not going to do anything about it and, and if it's not going to crush your, whatever you're doing, let it go and just focus on, you know, what you can do, what you can change. So, such a pivotal thing for me was the, how you respond, like for mm -hmm. everything that happens to every single one of us, you know, during, you know, along the course of the day, how are we reacting and how are we responding to all the things, you know, quote unquote, thrown at us? Right. First of all, I want to backtrack and say, you shouldn't think that things are happening to you or you shouldn't live a reactionary life. Right. You should run your day and control your day from the minute you wake up because you already know what your hopefully one day time block schedule looks like. You already know what you're going to do. You're going to execute on it and you're going to let nothing stand in your way and nothing prevent you from doing that. But too many people are waking up late. You know, they're sleeping in. They don't have time for themselves. So they're in a reactionary posture. Right. They react instead of I'm running this. Nothing's going to stop me. I'm doing this. I'm going to crush that. Nothing's going to stop me. They are literally just hanging on by a thread, trying to like avoid shit. Right. Um, wake up in a different mindset that you run the day and whatever happens to you, like no matter what, you don't overreact because 90% of you, the outcome is how you respond, not what are the things that are happening to you? Right. It's how you respond. So are you cool, calm and collective and you're thinking through it like, like an adult or are you like, Oh my God, this is the worst thing that could possibly ever happen. I quit. Like, yeah. which one are you? Like, are yeah. you cool? No problem. And if you don't have an immediate solution or you don't really know how to navigate through, cause as entrepreneurs, we are problem solvers. If you can't solve that problem. Who do you know that could help you? You know? Yeah, yeah for sure. And there's somebody out there that'll be able to do it. And usually you already know them. That's why people in your relationships in this business are like, it's massive. They dictate, yeah. They dictate your level of success, bottom line. Like, obviously, your your network is your net worth. That's mm -hmm. that's kind of like on top of that umbrella, but that all trickles down to, you know, choose wisely who you hang out with because those are the people that you will directly reflect and emulate without even thinking about it. Just yeah. inevitably you are the average of those people across the board, all the traits about them, every single trait. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. That's huge. I, I find too, if you struggle getting up in the morning, it's, it's a lot easier not to hit snooze. If you wake up with that same attitude of like, that's kind of your day and you're ready yeah. to go get what you want out of it, as opposed to, uh, I got to start my day, you know, dude, but how many people <laughs> take five minutes the night before they fall asleep, right? To review their schedule and be like, I'm already in that mindset. Then I fall yeah. asleep already in that mindset. Mm -hmm. Then I wake up hours and hours personally. I mean, you don't have to do this, but hours and hours before I have to, 
because I know how important me time is. My yeah. personal development, my professional development, my quiet, distract-free time for literally a block of hours. And I'm very fortunate that I have that. No kids right now. My wife is usually going to work or, or she has a side hustle and she's a full-time MBA student, almost done with that. So like, I have a lot of quiet time to design my life like, and to reflect and to design how I want my day and design everything that's going to happen in my day is under my control. Right. And I'm not saying that you need that. You can work up to that. And the more time you give to yourself, the more you're going to help add value to other people. Yeah. So start with 15 minutes. Are you willing to give yourself 15 minutes before you go to bed to look at a journal or a diary and say, this is what I'm doing tomorrow. And then are you willing to give yourself 15 to 20? I would say, let's start with 30 minutes. Just wake up 30 minutes earlier, even if it's over the course of a month, wake up a minute earlier every day. And then eventually you'll have 30, 30 extra minutes, mm -hmm. right? And then at the end of 30 days, you have 30 minutes for you to breathe and think about what's the most important thing in your life right now. And to think about what do I need to do today to make my life and business better, yeah. faster, more efficient. And you focus on the most important thing. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It's, it's huge. Like, but how many people do you know <laughs> that give themselves 15 minutes before bed and even 15 minutes when they wake up? Uh, yeah. Very few. Very few. And, and I, and I will admit to the before bed or the late one is the one that I most uh, frequently do not do, but that I realize almost immediately when I try to calmly go to sleep that because there's still stuff in your head that, cause you, it's unfinished. It's like you un did not finish your day. Dude, if you could didn't write brain that dump all that info in mm -hmm. the journal for 15 minutes, not like, so I journal before bed every night mm -hmm. and in the morning, right after I read scripture, right after I take my poop, right after I have two cups of black coffee. Right. right. And I also, during that time, it's quiet. I'm meditating. I'm doing breathing techniques and I'm looking out onto the beach, like the horizon of the actual beach right here. And I'm thinking, what do I need to focus on today that will make my life or business better, faster, and more efficient? What are the most important things? And what is the one thing I will definitely do? And basically, what are the top three things that need to get done today that I will focus on? And that's it. Like narrow it down to like one or two or three things that you do. And I'm telling you, your life will completely change. Talk about time management. You're going to be so much more efficient if you do that one thing. You're right. going to be so much more happier and peaceful and stress-free if you do this one thing. You know, and like that's how much I support it because it's life. It was life changing for me, and yeah. I would never talk that passionately about something unless it was it truly helped. You know, help me level the f up and completely redesign my life too. So, yeah, and and the the backside of that too with the time blocking, you know, getting that good start. The other thing that I had to learn, especially when COVID and we, everyone we were working at home all the time and stuff, is when there wasn't other stuff really going on, I wasn't completing work. As in, I would just let it go on till whatever time, you know, it's like, oh, I'm stuck here anyway. So maybe I'm working at eight, nine o'clock from that morning. Maybe there's breaks in between, whatever, yeah. but it really wasn't as efficient because there was no stop time. So I really had to focus on, Hey, at this time, you know, this is what I have to get done by this time. And then I'd kind of what you were talking about, set my calendar for the next day or whatever, but I have to close close up the computer, stop doing that, or else it'll kind of consume oh, the rest of your you time. You dude, you have to, you have to be committed and you have to sacrifice other things and adhere to your time block schedule. Like mm -hmm. in this 15 minutes, I will make this phone call or in this 15 minutes, I will update this or I will check this, this 30 minutes. All I'm doing is this. And like, there has to be a good block of time at 60 minutes or more, hopefully twice that of deep work, right? actual deep work where you are, you are focused. And the cool thing is when you contribute deep work to any, you could give, you know, you could do, you could contribute your deep work to anything that really needs to get done. Especially if imagine you set self time, you said, these are the three things I need to get done. What if those three things you can get those all done with 60 minutes of deep work? Yeah. You know, yeah. and then you have the rest of the day to literally have freedom and autonomy to just yeah. do what you enjoy. You yeah. know, so, but there has to be a block of deep work. And that's why I love, dude, I don't schedule any calls. This is usually earlier than I like to start. I usually don't schedule every, anything till afternoon right. central mm -hmm. because that whole day, dude, I have that many hours and I wake up at 5am that many hours, literally until noon for distraction free me time, unless I authorize a phone call or a right. podcast like this. Like I right. protect the shit out of my time mm -hmm. in the afternoon still open door. Like that's where I'm making calls, communicating with people, obviously interviews like this, like 
I'm connecting with other people because other people and your relationships with them, like I said, what you put into those right. will dictate your success. Absolutely. No, I think that, I mean, I think that's some of the best advice you you have there and it's, it, you're going to learn it over and over. And if you don't like master it, you will learn that lesson repeatedly. Right. Uh, w- one last thing, uh, just because you brought up the two, uh, the 203, could you just talk a little bit about that? Because that's a great alternative. A lot of people get stuck on like, Oh, I can only use my VA loan. You know, I've used it now. I, I, I it's not a good time to refi out of it. I don't have cash for whatever. And I think that that's just a great tool. That's very often overlooked. No, dude, that's why I, that like the minute I learned about it, I'm like, I will be using that. And then like a year later, I close on a fourplex. Check this out. The 203K, it's an FHA product and the FHA instruction or whatever. It's like code 203K. And all that means is like you could leverage a primary residence and an owner occupied loan, meaning you have to have the intentions of occupying one of the units or if it's a single family home, the home because you could do up to two, three, four units. And I did a fourplex because that's as many doors as you can get under one roof. That's why I love multifamily because you could do a lot more doors than four. And so I got all four of those doors and it only cost me about 150 grand to buy four doors in a nice historic area of downtown Pensacola, but with crummy, crummy tenants and crummy, crummy ownership and management, the perfect opportunity in my mind, right? Right. I got it for 150,000. Meanwhile, it was fully occupied generating actual money, but it was like $400 a month, $500 a month, but it was like, I could have literally sit on it. It would have cash flowed, but I didn't really like how it looked, how it was operating. There was gas leaks and a pregnant woman upstairs. Like I had to do something about this. So I literally bought 150 with 150 K had to buy the property. And I was able to wrap in the, in the, in the loan, a hundred thousand dollars worth of rehab costs. So I borrowed a hundred K didn't, not wasn't my own money mm-hmm. from the bank to rehab every single one of those units and basically make them beautiful. Right. And to get like 10, 11, $1,200 a month rents, much, much better demographic of tenant, flight students, people that work at the hospital, millennials, right? The good, the best tenants, right? And so that's what I did. And, you know, I, the minute it was all done, cash out refinance. So it was a $250,000 loan. And I only had to put down 3.5% of that whole entire purchase price and the rehab. So it was about 15 grand that I Mm -hmm. had to put down on on my own money. And now I have a fourplex fully rented out, um, cash flowing about $2,000 a month. Right. And then I did a cash out refinance because of all the work I did, I significantly increased the value. So all in was about 250 after the the appraisal that I needed to do for the cash out, put it at about 500 K. Mm-hmm. So I initially, I instantly had about $250,000 worth of equity. All I did was left a good amount of equity in the, in the property and pulled out $50,000 cash, right? Tax-free $50,000 cash just to go deploy because it was my, it was essentially my primary residence. Right. I never actually lived in it. Um, the rules are you have to have the intentions of moving into it for mm-hmm. six months and one day. The rehab, because it was so extensive, went over six months. So I never legally had to move into it. Right. Um, meanwhile, I was living on the beach in Perdido Key. <laughs> and uh, then I like I noticed past the six months, hey, let's go do that again in another property. So down the street, an even better part of town, not right off East Cervantes, even yeah. though East Cervantes is actually pretty nice in, in historic East Hill right now. That's where the fourplex is. But my other place is 20th and Jordan, which is a triplex where we lived for 18 months with my VA loan. Again, I don't want to go without saying this. It was a single family dwelling built in historic 1920 and a duplex behind it on a separate, basically on the same large corner lot, but facing the other street on a corner lot, single family home, duplex. That duplex was gutted. The single family home was gutted with a VA rehab loan. Right. All right. I spent 280, I think on all of those units. And the asking price was like 380. So I got them way down. And then I was able to wrap $70,000 worth of rehab costs into that loan, VA loan, 0% down. Yeah. Had to put down 6%, not for the down payment requirement, but just because 
they they were not supposed to lend me that much of rehab. They're supposed to cut it off at 50K. <laughs> right. But because I got such a ridiculous discount on the property, uh-huh. they're like, yeah, even if you put 50K in this, the after repair value is going to be like another 150 or 200K above that. So like yeah. they know. And now I haven't even done a cash out refinance. I'm about to, but the roof is about to be replaced because of the storm and insurance is paying for a new roof. Right. So the minute a new roof goes on that, cash out refinance, same thing. And when you do a cash out refinance, not only are you leaving a bunch of equity in the property, so your mortgage payment goes down, mm-hmm. but you pull out tax-free cash if you lived in the property or had owner-occupied property for two of the last five years. That's um, If it's like just a straight-up investment property, you'll have to pay taxes on it unless you do a 1031 tax-deferred exchange, which we could talk about if you want. But So I, did, I, I basically did the 203K loan with the rehab, and I did the VA rehab loan. Um, same contractor. And that's the last thing I promise. The last thing I'll say, you have to find a contractor who's licensed, bonded, insured, and who is willing to work with you in a rehab loan because the bank is essentially paying them. They issue you the check, but then you have to sign it over to the GC in different draws. Mm -hmm. So they have to go through more of an administrative like burden and they have more to kind of do versus if they just took on a client and worked directly with a person. Right. Right. So not all general contractors have ever used the VA or a rehab loan or ever will. So that's the last thing I'll say is um, if you're considering this, that's like the one key is you need to find a GC who has done one before and who is willing to do another one. Yeah. That, no, that's, that's huge too, because that is a big difference. And I have not uh, done the, the uh, rehab loan, VA rehab loan. I, I feel like I want to try one of everything. You know, I, I try to do everything. So when people ask me, I can tell, I can say like, you yeah. know, people want to know what will happen with this. I can then say, well, this is how it worked for me, yeah. you know, cause you know, crystal ball, but, um, but the cash out refire, I think that's yeah, totally. a powerful tool too, because I have like literally right now I'm tracking one pot of money from, a purchase of a two, two unit in a certain area, you know, of San Diego that I got like that uh, appreciated enough to where I did a cash out, you know, cash out refi for, well, I did a, first I did a HELOC, um, once it appreciated and used that to kind of just refinish both of them. Um, and then when it got appreciated more, and this is just over the course of a handful, that's, what's crazy about it. Because when you, when you do that refurbish, like you're saying, it'll increase the value. If you do the right things, it increases the value more than what you put into it. And then the other, you know, additional appreciation over the next couple of years was enough where I could take out a significant cash out refi, which then I used for the next property that I moved into. Um, and then, but, but because of again, creative financing, I was able to keep most of that cash in my pocket and use that now to get and refurbish two more properties. So now they're from this one VA loan with zero into it. It's, it's grown into about $6 million of properties just from that pot of money, right? Just from nothing of mine put into that. And it's, that's, it's, it's just like magic. If you, again, solution oriented, right? If you find the ways around it, that's why now I'm excited. I got to, I'm going to have to try this 203k. So thanks for that. Dude, let me know. Give me a call. Shoot me a text. Um, just, you know, follow up and I'll, I'll make sure you have my personal cell phone number. And if you have any questions, dude, just, just let me know and I'm happy to help. But I mean, I just got definitely went through a lot, but that GC is a major piece and not a lot of banks offer it, bro, Mm -hmm. as a product. Okay. Yeah, definitely. you You also have to, you're probably gonna have to call 10 banks. Maybe yeah. one of them will offer the rehab product. All right. No, I appreciate it, man. And hey, I don't want to take up your 12, whole- You've got to call 20. Yeah. In my eyes, Somebody will worth, do it. Oh. It's worth your time, dude. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, hey, man, I just want to say thanks for taking your time this morning, letting us break into your uh, morning time and uh, giving us some of this information. Anything that you want to leave before we sign off? I don't know. I mean, yeah. I know I know a lot of people um, listening to this, um, whether you were intrigued or not, you know, you control your destiny, whether you get into, you know, real estate or whether you get into business or not. Um, even if you just are, are working and what you're passionate about, you're passionate about your military career, just deliver as much value as you can to as many people and just be as humble as you can, be hungry, be a forever student and, and you'll build relationships and take mentorship seriously because yeah. your mentors are, are, are going to be the people who are going to elevate you to success quicker than yourself. All right. Yeah. If you don't have a mentor, if you think you don't need a mentor, get out of your freaking head, man, and <laughs> seek guidance and advice from people who are more successful than you and who have been there and done 
what you want to do, what deep down you know you want to do and what deep down you know you can accomplish. Hang out with those people. Figure out how to add value with them. If you ever want to chat, shoot me a text. Area code 847-910-9161. Um, I have a lot of different places and funnels and ways to like get a hold of me, but active duty passive income is is something that I urge every single one of you guys. If you got any value out of this or any of this stuff resonated with you uh, and you want to build wealth and create freedom because you can, and we show people how to do it in the first 12 months, especially buy large apartment buildings, shoot me a text and we'll, we'll just hop on a call and I'll help. I'll coach you and I'll, I'll answer any questions you have, but we don't, we're only looking for people who know they can and who have the faith and who could commit, right? And educate themselves and, and put time in and invest in themselves and educate themselves and invest money into surrounding themselves with the right people. Cause that's what it takes. I, I spend thousands and thousands of dollars every single year to be in the right circles and it's yeah. paid handsome dividends, right? Right. Uh, I mean, who I am today is a result of who I've been hanging out with for the last five years. Yeah. I mean, that, and same with you. Yeah. Where you are today is a result of who you've been hanging out with for the last five years. Go to the timothykelly.com. So you have my cell phone number, 847-910-9161. Shoot me a text. Let me know you heard me and we'll hop on a call. You can also go to the timothykelly.com. All like everything I'm doing is, is there. Like all the podcasts I've been on, there's a bunch of testimonials. The active duty passive income link is on there. My band that I'm, you know, with Steve Ballard, I have <laughs> yeah. some of my band shenanigans. I'm also a huge, you know, philanthropist and giver and with the USO and the U, the band actually donates. We would donate all of our tips. They were 100% going to the USO because my wife runs the Pensacola NAS USO. But then we split that with Children's Rescue Initiative that are, you know, rescuing kids from child slavery. Steve Ballard has a big, you know, big, huge contribution to that. Him and one of his buddies are like leading that task force right now. They're freaking, awesome. I love those dudes, you know, so go to the, the But if you're serious about like learning about investing and just go to activedutypassiveincome.com, download our free book, military house hacking. It's free and check out all of like the videos, the YouTube videos, our Facebook group is like 30,000 people and growing by the thousands each month and listen to our podcast. It's free. That is how you mind feed every day. Start mind feeding every day. If you're not educating yourself and listening to content and listening to motivation and listening to education and listening, whether it's the Bible, whatever, you need to start today, like right now. So start mind feeding the Active Duty Passive Income Podcast. Learn about all the different ways that you could build wealth while you're still active duty to set yourself up. So when you walk out, you could be completely free and autonomous, stress-free, not checking in and checking out of a nine to five job because you don't deserve that shit. There you go. I think that that kind of perfect way to end it right there. That kind of summed everything up. So I can't say anything any better than that. So we'll just wrap it up there. But again, thanks for your time, man. I really do appreciate it. It's great connecting with you today. And hopefully we'll get you back on here again later on. Maybe we'll hit a couple more subjects. Shoot me a text, man. I'd love to have part two soon. Awesome. We'll do it. All right, man. Thanks so much. Later, bro.